been quite a while, actually 10 months since I last put out a Steeping in the Word episode. I apologize for the year delay almost now, but I had quite a winter. I had some uh, health issues and then those extended into the spring. And with everything going on, I had quite a summer as well. I have struggled with getting back into this and I popped on for the first time and eight months or so to look at how everything was doing on the episodes, and I was surprised to see that the last episode that I put out has 92 plays, and so I decided I really ought to get back into this, find some time to do it, and as I studied for it, it was actually really good for my soul as well. With everything that has happened to me in the last year, uh, I've dealt with a lot of uh, anger and, uh, frankly, uh, depression, just With a cancer diagnosis when you're 29, it's just kind of a scary thing. You got three kids to take care of and a a wife to lead. And I didn't know what was going on, uh, what what God was doing. And through all of that, God has taught me a lot of what it means to trust in him. And so with that, we're going to pick up right where we left off in Romans chapter 9, verses 19 through 21. John Calvin, who was uh, contemporary with Luther, Martin Luther, uh, was kicked out of Geneva for uh, being a Reformation guy. And uh, when he came back and was welcomed back with open arms, he picked up right where he had been preaching. So I kind of hope to do the same thing, but obviously not to the magnitude of of John Calvin. But we're going to Start right in verse 19 of Romans chapter 9. This section of scripture says, You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use, and another for dishonorable use? These are the objections that just about everyone has to the sovereignty of God. God's sovereignty means that he is in control over all things. He sees when a sparrow falls. He has ordained all things from beginning to end, and not just as a uh, big kid on the sidewalk with a magnifying glass burning ants, No, he has a loving sovereignty over all things. Because it says in verse 18, So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. So our objections are, well, why does he still find fault? But that is the kind of attitude somebody who is angry at God has. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to argue against God's sovereignty by saying that we should have a choice in what we want. Just like Adam and Eve. They wanted to have a choice. They wanted to be God. And they ran away from what he had told them to do. But, doesn't the potter have a right to do as he wills? And so the one who is an honorable vessel will see this anger in his heart or her heart and know that the only option In dealing with this anger is faith and surrender to God, to let him do as he wills. And when we do that, when we let 
God's Spirit work in us and we submit to Him, He makes us new. We don't have to worry about anything anymore, but we let Him run our lives and things start to change. I don't mean the external world starts to change, but our perception of everything starts to change. We start to realize that we aren't the center of creation. We start to realize that God is the one who is in control and loves us. In dealing with my medical issues this last winter and spring, I had to remember that I am mortal. And while I look at the life expectancies and think, well, that's what I deserve, that is not the right way to look at it. What God wants me to do with my life is to let God be God. That's submission to his will. As Christ submitted himself, he didn't count himself equal with God, as is Philippians 2, but he takes the form of man, the form of a servant, becomes nothing, takes on sinful flesh, as we've seen in Romans chapter 5, and bears our sin according to the will of God. He doesn't say, Father, I can't do this. I will not do this. Don't make me. He says, Not my will, but yours be done. That is the call here in Romans chapter 9. We're not supposed to say, Well, it's God's fault. No, we don't talk back to the Creator that way. We submit ourselves to Him and let Him do as He wills, and through that, He will do much. In our souls. So if you have anger at God and you can't bear what He is doing to you, maybe take a step back and think about what you do deserve as a sinner. No one deserves to be saved. That's why they call it grace. It is a gift. I'm reminded of a quote that somebody very wise once said to me. His definition of grace is the sustained intrusion of God into the lives of people who hate him. God's intrusion is a good thing because he is the source of life. And he's intruding into our lives, not to interrupt what is good for us, but to take us away what is bad for us. He's rescuing us by his intrusion, his, his reclamation of who we are as creatures, bringing us back to our purpose and our hope, and our source of life and joy. So don't shake your fist at God, but run to him and ask him, Father, would you make me an honorable vessel to do your will? Submit to him, let God be God, and let the only option to deal with your anger be faith and surrender to Christ alone. We'll keep this one short today since it's the first one in 10 months, but thank you all for listening and thank you for supporting me through uh, my last year and being there for me and praying for me. I look forward to making this a regular thing again. Let's pray. Father, you are good, you are great, and there is not one thing that happens without your permission. Help us to submit to you, trust in you, and rely only on you, and rest in the fact that you are in control of all things, even the death of your own Son that redeems us from our sin. Amen.